Welcome to Geeks and Jocks, a podcast that focuses on video games, film, television, and sports. And now, for the person who is in charge of this podcast, here is Ryan Sullivan. Hi, and welcome back to Geeks and Jocks, and, oh man, it's the end of, towards the end of March, and you know why that's a good thing? Because we get to see some baseball. That's right, baseball is almost here for Major League Baseball, and get to see who has prepared the most for the 2019 season, and who can take that World Series crown in October. So here's a couple quick things on who I think has a chance to make the postseason. Just early assumptions, of course. Now, as far as the American League goes, I mean, the Central is one that I could see probably, I don't know, Cleveland, maybe. Depends on how things go for that division. I mean, could be Detroit's, could be Minnesota's, but overall, I feel like Cleveland for early assumptions. The West could be an interesting one, and I think it will come down mainly to Houston and Oakland, one or the other, being the division winner, and maybe being the wild card team. More than likely, Houston, I think, wins the West, and Oakland is a wild card team. Now, given the AL East, now everyone except Baltimore has a chance, but I think more than likely it's going to be another Boston Yankees first and second thing like it was, what, 15 years ago? Whoever wins the division and wild card, I don't know, but could be either one of them. But guarantee thing, you know, they both have a good chance to make the playoffs. Now, as far as the National League is concerned, I mean, maybe Philadelphia wins the division. If not, then Atlanta. Uh, it's kind of a weak division a little bit, but with some of the guys that they have on on that division, I mean, maybe the Mets could sneak in, but I have high doubts on that. If Philadelphia doesn't blow a first-place lead like they did last year, then maybe they could be in the hunt for a World Series trophy, especially if that's the case with getting Price Harper, you know, with that $330 million. <laughs> now, as far as the Central goes in the National League, uh, I do think it, it comes down to Milwaukee and Chicago again. I just think they got enough players all together to make it a more interesting race. But keep your eye on Pittsburgh because they actually did decent for getting rid of a number of their players. And... Who knows, maybe this might be like it was six, seven years ago where they had a young group of players and they made their way to the playoffs a few times after 20 years of mediocrity. Fun fact, went to I went to a game with my family in 2010 and it was the worst defeat they ever had. It was like 20 to nothing, Milwaukee beating the Pirates. And that included guys like I think like a young Andrew McCutcheon and like having some veterans like Trevor Hoffman and Jim Edmonds, Ryan Braun, Prince Fielder. I mean, I can't believe, you know, that team was loaded with good talent and just they never really made it to the postseason. I think it was like 08 was the only time they did. If not, maybe there was maybe like a year or two prior or not. I don't know. But... Pittsburgh could sneak in as a wild card team, quite frankly. 
and maybe St. Louis as well, but who knows. In the West, I think, I don't think signing Manny Machado makes the Padres significantly better, but it could raise some eyebrows. Ultimately, I think it comes down to the trifecta or trilogy of the Colorado Rockies, the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the L.A. Dodgers. I see more so a fight between the Rockies and the Diamondbacks because they both got good sets of players, and there should be some high expectations, at least for Colorado, with considering all their players they have. I mean, that team is just loaded with enough talent that anything less than a World Series is will be looked at as huge disappointment. Now, I heard this thing, and I just read like the headline of it on the L.A. Angels, and it had to do with Mike Trout maybe signing and potentially signing to a new contract that could be worth $430 million. More than likely, this is probably like a 11, 12-year deal, and why not? Because... Mike Trout is probably one of the best players in Major League Baseball. They call him like a five-tool player. I mean, he does everything. He's that kind of guy that can lay it out for you as far as fielding goes. He can hit for contact. He can hit for power. He can steal bases. It's like he, he, he literally does everything. And he is probably their best player right now for the LA Angels. But the thing that leaves me with like a little bit of concern is going to be the fact that the Angels haven't really done much since Trout came into the league in 2011. I believe they've been to the playoffs, I think, maybe, I want to say twice, if not just once. And they really haven't been the same kind of Angels that Mike Sosha had when he took over in 2000. And, I mean, he's gone, but for this and I don't know how new management will be for the Angels. I mean, maybe they could be a contender at some point, but you know, you got to feel bad for a guy like Trout who is stuck with the Angels. But then again, you don't see many players stick to one team, and that's a rarity for any sport now these days, which teams can easily avoid Trout. And that was like pretty obvious, I think, at some points over the last few years where instead of pitching to Trout, they just intentionally walk him. And with that, they go to guys, they go to strikeout guys like Albert Pujols, who if you want my take on his deal, I mean, I think it was a huge waste of money for the Angels. Not a horrible deal by any means, but not really anything that was worth all that money that he signed forehand. They still got him for another three years, and that includes this year. <sighs> I mean, whatever the case, I mean, maybe Trout goes somewhere else with along with that huge sum of money. Maybe he doesn't. I mean, I have no doubt in my mind he will be a Hall of Famer. But how will people feel about it just because he played on a bad Angels franchise? I mean, I don't know what else really to make on that, you know. But I can tell you one thing about sports. It's always interesting when there is controversy surrounding surrounding sports, especially when it pertains to college. Now, it seems like every year we keep hearing controversy after controversy 
of incidents that happen within college sports. You know, whether it's like North Carolina and like their academics or the prostitution ring with Rick Pitino and, and his teams. You know, just seems like every year you hear something and it's like, uh-oh, here is probably something that I'm not sure if... It's just, I just find it hard to believe that some people would stoop to this level because I went to college for four years. Two degrees, one in Associates of Applied Science and one in Bachelors for Mass Communications. When I initially went to college, I figured I'd go to a four-year school, but my grades weren't always the greatest, so I went to a community college for my first two years and did pretty well. Did okay when I went to um, my second college, the four-year one, and spent my two years, got my bachelor's, improved over my last full college year, and, you know, mass communications degree, and, you know, paying off quite a bit of debt. <laughs> but then you got stuff like this with the admission scandal, and it's just, it's just hard to believe some people would stoop that low. So basically what happened is that this has been like, from what I understand, a year-long FBI investigation into various schools and the, and the leading guy that they've been targeting for a good while and with, like, with as much as like $25 million all, all over the entire country. And this includes some very prestigious schools, I mean like USC, UCLA, and like Yale, and Georgetown, I believe LSU was involved, and it was certain sports teams of the colleges, like like yachting, I think, or whatever the boating, whatever, they, whatever it was, you know. But, I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, they're going to be facing a lot of jail time, a lot of arrests, and this, this is a lot of parents... But it also hit the Hollywood spectrum, too, because they nabbed two people, two actresses. And they are um, Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin. Now, of course, all this stuff has been in the news for the past week, and it's just it's just funny, the idea of Laughlin uh, getting cheating to get her daughters into, I believe it was USC. <laughs> it's just funny because her image is like a nice woman from doing stuff like Full House and stuff. <laughs> I mean, it tarnishes her legacy, no doubt. And I mean, she's gotten rid of by like, like Sephora or something. Hallmark fired her. Fuller House got rid of her. I mean, <laughs> it's like, yeah, not a good time to do that. But what what exactly happened with this college scandal? Because the way the way they had it set up, from what I read, it's like they these people would hire people to take their kids' tests and all that. Or there was another one, but I think it was where the students would pose as athletes or something, and 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 that that was about it. I mean. Uh, the thing is, it, it, it hurts people that actually try to get in because there are a number of students overall that, for the most part, are trying to get into these prestigious colleges, and some of them might have some of the greatest grades 
in their high school. But it becomes a nightmare for certain colleges because they have to wait a while maybe to get on a list or see if they get accepted into it. Because, I mean, you're talking places like USC and UCLA and Georgetown. I mean, they are probably some of the schools that get a lot of enrollment and they got thousands upon thousands of students graduating every year and all that. And just, you know, for the people that try to get in, it sucks that, you know, that some of them don't get in while the ones that cheated do. And for, you know, the 50 people that got arrested and stuff, I mean, I mean, innocent until proven guilty, but I wouldn't be surprised if they're all guilty. A lot of them could face a lot of jail time. I mean, that's that's no that's no jerking around or any of that. I mean, it's very sad to see people, as I said, stoop to this level. It's just I don't know. It's just it's just cheating is just on the college admissions. I mean, anyway. Uh, so let's move on to games that I've been playing lately. So I've been playing a little bit of PS4, PlayStation 4. And one of the games I've gotten into, and it's been interesting since I ha I've had it for about like seven, eight months, and that is ukulele. And if you were to ask me my favorite Nintendo 64 game, it would be Banjo-Kazooie, because it is such an excellent video game, and it just does a lot of things right with the whole collect-a-thon thing, and it looks really great graphically, I love the soundtrack from Grant Kirkhope, it just, I love how they handle the different musical tones when you're in certain things, like the water and all that, it is a fun, fun game. Just it's large but not too large and just best game on the sixty four. And I also played Banjo Tooie and I liked it but I didn't think it was as good as Kazooie because the worlds were too large and it was just you had to connect some of the levels all together and just it was just a mess, and the frame rate wasn't good either. I mean, but, I mean, phenomenal graphics for a late 64 game, and great music too. And playing ukulele, I mean, I'm reminded a bit of Tui a bit, and it's inspiration coming from Tui and Kazooie, where you are a, a bat and a lizard, and you're trying to stop this capital B guy from taking over all the literature and the literature in the world and it's just it was a game that got quite a bit of hype because it was from people that worked on Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, Donkey Kong 64, composers from those games as well. It was a Kickstarter game like three four years ago and it came out not too long ago, a couple of years ago, and it's one of those games where it's a love or hate game because it it definitely feels like a tribute to Banjo-Kazooie, Banjo-Tooie, 
but at the same time, it's trying to stand out a little bit itself with some of their own stuff. But my take on it is that graphically, it looks great. I like the music tone to it as it definitely adds more to the to what the 64 games that I was talking about had and it's, you know, even the voices I mean it's very much similar you know like the oh, 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 that type of voice that you hear in like some of those games and that's what they emulated for that one here and just, overall I mean it's got a good presentation now as far as gameplay goes there's five worlds but the idea behind it is you collect pages instead of like jiggies or bananas there's quills you have to collect 200 in each world and collecting 200 would give you a pagey there's ghost riders in places stuff like jinjos and you you start off with a small world and once you collect enough pages you can expand the world and play the huge world and there definitely is some fun to be had with the game but I think the biggest flaw quite frankly is going to be the fact that it plays too much like Banjo-Tooie now I'm not saying Banjo-Tooie is a bad game by any means but some of its level design was sloppy I think ukulele's design I would say is a little better than Tooie because they don't have like the connection to each level by having to come back and do certain things once you grab like like a power up and stuff is very annoying uh, it's easy to get lost a little bit and trying to find some of the last things you need to do they don't really explain the best at the tasks that you have to do which is very annoying in itself but it's, it's not a horrible game you're definitely gonna get some hours out of it but but a few gameplay design ideas just it's just not the greatest and I would say if it's like ten dollars or something I mean I wouldn't be against getting it but it's not something I would recommend but if you're looking for a game like that just go just go get banjo kazooie or banjo tooie or at least get rare replay for the Xbox one <laughs> one game I've gotten into over the last week has been Call of Duty Modern Warfare Remastered now for those wondering it's on PlayStation 4 for now for free for the PS Plus subscribers but let me warn you it's going to be about almost 100 gigabytes so depending on your internet speed it may not be the greatest choice when downloading I first played Call of Duty 4 back in 2007 when it was brand new on computers and it we had my family my we had a Windows XP computer and it would not run well on there which is a shame because I think I went through like some of the first levels with that computer and when we got a Windows 7 computer years later we uh, managed to play it smoothly but by then we had other versions I mean the one I'll have a lot of memories with is the Wii version which was pretty well done for being downgraded in terms of graphical hardware and power especially compared to what the 360 and PS3 was doing but the online I thought was 
for the most part, really solid, but it definitely had its issues, especially when it would interrupt the connection and you would be taken off the game. And Sorry, your connection got interrupted. You got kicked off the server. And that was pretty annoying, and that's been the only time I've really played online Call of Duty. And then not too long after played the 360 version back in 2010 when my brother and I got 360 together and when my father got a PlayStation 3 of his own got Call of Duty 4 and you know it's interesting to look at these games because they all play pretty well and normally I wouldn't have gotten a game like Call of Duty remastered because I mean, I've played the game so many times, but to play it for free, I mean, I can't refuse, really, because it's a it's a fun game. I think, really, the best of Call of Duty came from around that time period between the first Modern Warfare all the way up to Black Ops. And I think Black Ops might be the best of the series. If not, then Modern Warfare 2 because of all the stuff you could do with the spec ops and the single player and all that. It just I found a lot more enjoyment out of those two. But Modern Warfare 1, really solid. Um, I've liked what I've seen so far out of the remaster. It looks great graphically. I think you can see more like a little, little more detail into how it looks. And that's what I think I've noticed a lot more. Plays fine. Never, haven't really encountered any huge glitches. Maybe a tiny bit of lag in the controls, depending on how long you've played it. So I would say overall, it's a fun, fun remaster. And you know, for now until the first Tuesday of April, get your chance to play it because it ain't gonna be free much longer. And there hasn't really been much in other games that I've played. But there definitely are a few that I would like to get my hands on, such as MLB The Show 19. One compilation that I'm actually interested in is SNK 40th, and it has a number of games that they've made, like Akari Warriors and all that. I just I like the idea of physical compilations because it gives me a chance to try these out on a disc, and I've always, I've, I don't know, it's just, I, I've liked the idea of compilations, and it goes all the way back to stuff like, you know, the, like the Sonic Classics on the Genesis, where it had Sonic 1, 2, and Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine. I mean, I've liked the idea of Namco Museum with all their games, you know, like Pac-Man, Dig Dug, Galaga, all those great games, and being able to play those on, you know, like the original PlayStation, PS2, Xbox 360, all of them without needing to pay separately for a number of games. And, you know, some of the games I have for like 360 and PS3, I mean, Midway Arcade Origins, it's a lot of fun with some of the games that were made by like Atari, Williams, and Midway. Play Robotron, it, it's really one of the great games of the early 80s. A great Eugene Jarvis game. And speaking of Jarvis, Smash TV, that's another great game. You got the Sega compilations, and last year, bought on day one, Sega Genesis Classics, which is the 
first time I've managed to play Toe Jam and Earl. I've never owned the Genesis game, and it's great to see that compilation of games because it gives you some of the stuff like Alien Soldier and the Japanese version of Streets of Rage 3, which they're a lot more open to how the game is compared to what it was like 25 years ago. And I think roughly around this time, 25 years ago, is when Streets of Rage 3 came out. And a lot of controversy over, I think, a few characters and changing the story a bit, which, I mean, you could understand for the time period, but, eh, just hard to accept certain things back then. And not much else I've really played with other games at the moment. As far as doing stuff on YouTube, I'm hoping to put up some NHL 94 videos. I got some vi footage set up for uh, a, the Super Nintendo version of the game. Got three videos I got in mind. One, just a regular version of the game. Uh, a shootout, which was, wasn't was common. You had penalty shots, but still nice to have something like a, like a shootout, one-on-one -on -one against a goalie. And a short little snippet of if you win the Stanley Cup. And I'm hoping to do one with the Genesis version. But I'll probably upload those after I finish up with the uploading of the second episode of Doom. Which I can't believe some of the footage I got took a long time. I forgot how long some of those levels could be. Especially compared to the more condensed ones on like the Jaguar PlayStation and all that. So with that, I shall bid adieu with the newest episode of Geeks and Jacks. And I think I'm going to look to end this around in May and come back in September. Uh, maybe I might stop in and record an episode, maybe around the summer, and maybe around like July 4th or something. I don't know. Uh, I think I'm looking to do at least maybe three or four more episodes for now and then come back in September to, to do more. If not, maybe do one or two around the summer. I would like to focus more on doing work and, and maybe seeing what I could do for my YouTube channel and all that. And maybe try and get this podcast on other, on other sites, try and see if I can grow an audience more by showing people these episodes here and you know see how things pan out because I would love to expand this and see if I can get an audience out of all this you know expand out of YouTube and all that so with that this has been episode 12 of Geeks and Jacks and I hope to see you guys on the next podcast and enjoy your day